Hello and welcome back to They Arrived as Aztecs, an Aston Villa Women podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. We're back, it's season two, episode one, and well, it's been a long time since we recorded an Aston Villa Women podcast, and a lot has happened since the last time we spoke to you about the workings of Gemma Davies' side. Where do we start? Firstly, I'm Regan, you can find me on Twitter at FindFoy, and I'm joined, as always, by Mark. What's going on, everybody? Good to be back talking about the women's side of Aston Villa. It has been a long time, but we got a lot to cover. There's been a lot of stuff going on, a lot of exciting things going on, so... Uh, might as well just uh, start cracking into it, Regan. Absolutely. And really, probably the most exciting thing of them all was that Aston Villa were named as the champions of the FA Women's Championship via a basic points-per-game formula a couple of months back, which determined that the club deserved promotion based on sporting merit. And this comes after the season was ended prematurely due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The side were awarded following their exceptional evolution across the last season and promotion is exactly what they deserve after the long hours of training and performing on the pitch. Yeah, and it, it it's so crazy to me that like how it ended up with the with the points basis of how they actually determine the season. I mean, we'll get into this and everything, but I I just wanted to say that like I really wanted to see the game that actually got them promoted. I wanted to see the happiness on the players' faces. I wanted to see, you know, not in a mean way, but I wanted to see a little bit of tears for how much this this squad and this assembled players actually got it across the line and they actually did it for an invincible season. I w- I wanted to see how that went, but you know, they're they're still crown champions. They're they're still going to play in the women's super league. It's not an easy li- league to play. So, you know, getting getting a couple players in the door with a little bit more experience is vital and they've done that. But yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm so proud of the team. I'm so proud of every one of them women just they they played their hearts out and it was a real big team camaraderie and you gotta you gotta take your hat off to the players and Gemma Davies. It would have been nice to see them attempt an invincible season. But obviously in the women's game there's issues with, you know, the levels of support, money, uh, things like travel and things like that. And that's what stopped the season. You know, with the men's side, there's much more uh, investment and the teams can afford to, you know, play games uh, and lose ch- hefty chunks of money. You know, for example, the the Man United men's squad lost something like five million a game um, during the, the resumption of the Premier League. So there is many reasons why the, the, the Women's Super League and the FA Women's Championship were curtailed when they were. Um, as I said, it would have been really nice to see them attempt an invincible season, but you know, it, it's a bit like the Liverpool one. It's an invincible season with an asterisk. 
Yeah, and that, that's the way it's going to be. We, we just live in such a strange time that, you know, there are, is going to be an asterisk put on, you know, any kind of league champion that's been crowned because things have gone one way or another. But, I mean, for me, the direction that Aston Villa is heading, especially with their women's team and setup and investment, I still think this is something they can hang their hat on and be very, very proud about. I know me as a fan, and I haven't been watching the women's team long. It's only been about two seasons now. But even, you know, under those circumstances, I'm incredibly proud of this team. I felt felt like, you know, I've, I've grown with this team. I've seen what can happen I've seen players you know maybe come and go but I definitely have my favorites you know and I'm definitely really happy about the direction the team's going so long may that continue now the club is set to play their home games at the Banks' stadium Warsaw's home ground next season uh, and 13 players have signed on or will continue professional contracts for the upcoming season the women's side will also don the same shirt sponsor kazoo as the men's side next season yeah, and we've banged on about it before, Regan. We've banged on about the whole fact that it needs to be one Aston Villa, regardless regardless if it's the men or women's side. So I'm really happy that they're both playing in the same exact shirt with the same exact sponsor and everything. And you know, it's no disrespect to how things were ran previously, but like, I, it just it just shows that it's one club and there's one vision and there's one way, and it's it's to move forward. Absolutely, and it's going to have a bigger impact as well with you know a bigger stadium that's more easily accessed by the motorway or via the motorway. Um, you know, Aston Villa women will be able to play in front of bigger crowds when allowed. There's going to be nearly ten thousand more fans that can now enter the stadium for these games. Yeah, and how important is that? I mean, you know, you're talking, you know, getting ten thousand fans for for any football game that's a massive massive achievement i mean yeah it's obviously in the premier league or in the women's super league you're going to have massive massive crowds but i think this is a really good thing for villa i think it's a really good thing that you know know that hey we're, we're in a little bit of a bigger space we're in the super league now you know all the investment that comes with that all these players that we've signed they are an entertaining side to watch like we've seen that Gemma davies can put players out onto the pitch that that it is entertaining it's not like they're grinding out you know one nil wins or anything like that at least that's that's not what we've seen you may see that a little bit more this year because of the competition that they're going up against in the Super League. But I mean, for me, I think it, the move to the Bank Stadium is only going to be a positive thing. I don't see how that can be construed as a negative whatsoever. How do you feel about it? Do you think that there's going to be you know more fans that come out now that Villa women have been promoted? Well, you know, um, Baldmere St. Michael's wasn't necessarily hard to access, but it was a little bit tucked away. Uh, I think it's, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's just inside Sutton Coalfield. Um, but for a lot of fans, you know, Villa are spread wide across the Midlands and the world. Obviously, you you attest to that. Um, but you know, it's more easily accessible because fans from across the Midlands can now literally jump on the motorway. Um, and you know, fan fans of Villa that that live in the Midlands or around the Midlands will know that you literally drive. I'm, I'm pretty sure I don't drive myself, but I'm pretty sure it's the M6. You drive down the M6 and you can see the Banksy Stadium. That's how accessible it is now for fans to go and see the Aston Villa women. Granted, you know, it's not the side playing at Villa Park, but it's. As I said earlier, nearly 10,000 more fans, when fans are allowed back in, that can now go and see Aston Villa women. Yeah, and I think you're going to see that a lot from the club here. I think you're going to see, you know, a lot more, hey, come out and see us, see what we're doing, see what we're building, you know, see some of these international players that we brought in. It's exciting. It's an exciting time surrounding the Aston Villa women. It isn't just like they, you know, happen to squeak in a, a, a playoff, you know, and they, they got promoted that way or it wasn't like... 
you know, they made a, a final push like we saw with the men's side uh, last year or anything like that. So I, I think it's an exciting time. And for me, I'm, I'm really hoping that the Aston Villa supporters, even if they just purely watch the men's side, they might, you know, a little light bulb might click in their head be like, oh, I'm going to go see what, you know, what's what's going on down at the Bank Stadium. I heard these these girls are really, really good. And they are. They're, there's actual talent in this side. It's not just a side that's just, you know, strung together or anything like that. There, there's actual thought and basis that goes into it. So I'm really excited for this upcoming season. And of course, whilst fans aren't allowed back in stadiums, every Aston Villa women game, as far as I'm aware, will be available to view on the FA player, which is is, is amazing. You know, it's so m- much more accessible now. Aston Villa are in the top tier of women's football. Um, and, you know, whether you're obviously like yourself in America or, or, you know, you can't go to the stadiums because of COVID-19, you can still watch every, if not most, of the games for Aston Villa women next season. Yeah, that's a massive, massive thing. I mean, because there's a lot of people, Regan, me and you have both gotten messages about this and a pretty decent amount of messages or a mention on Twitter saying, like, I, I really want to get into the women's side. I just don't know where to watch. Um, I'm pretty sure that you can actually just Google FA player and it comes up. I think it's the second thing that comes up on a Google search. It'll be entitled the FA player women's leagues and competitions. So go ahead and click over on that. I'm not sure if you have to create a profile for it or anything, but as far as I know, you're right. You'll be able to watch every single, you know, Aston Villa women's game this season and that's such a mammoth thing to to get into the women's game and to start to understand the structure of it and understand the players who are the big players in the leagues who are some of the youngsters in the Aston Villa women's side you know to keep an eye on it's it's a it's a beautiful beautiful thing I'm really really excited that that we're going to get to see a lot more of the Aston Villa women especially for me because it's really really tough with me over in America to find um women's football on at least like an international stage from where I'm based at so beautiful wonderful thing I can't wait until I can actually sit down and watch them either before I go to work or all my days off. I think it's somewhat of a shame that it's taken the club getting promoted to to kind of bring in this much interest. You know, like you said, we've received a lot of messages from people saying how can we how can we kind of start following Aston Villa women? Um and yeah, I, I, like I said, I think it's a, a somewhat of a shame because they've deserved this kind of support or interest for much longer than than since their promotion. But at the same time, you know, it, you can't not look at it as a positive. The game is growing in in the women's side of football, and you know, for for more people to be interested in Aston Villa, it, it's it's something that we should be proud of. You know, as as a as a fan media outlet that as as pushed for more support for the women yeah i completely agree because you know we would we would answer the questions on how to watch aston villa women previously and it was almost with a little bit like man what like this it isn't really talked about often as far as like watching them like yeah it's all good and well to follow it from a distance of like tweets and you know uh you know they live tweeted a lot last season from the aston villa women's account about things that would happen but like uh, just as human beings we're, we're, we love visuals we want to be able to watch that so um not now that we're able to you know at least on a more consistent basis it's great because like again with me taking just how i view the game as an american how i view the women's game as an american like obviously women's soccer is really really big over here we have our own leagues we have our own setup we have youth development the whole thing you know i can literally on any given day if there's a women's game on i can find that online somewhere there will be some kind of hosting or media outlet that's that's showing that game um in 
like you said, the Aston Villa women's side is something to be proud about. And it, it's about time that we've gotten to the position now where, you know, all fans, no matter of what age, can just go online and watch the game if they're not able, you know, to get to see the team live. It's, it's, it's all positive things from here on out for this club. Absolutely. And, you know, it's been somewhat of a uh, kind of revolving door this summer for for the Aston Villa women, you know. Much like the men's side last season, it, it's it's necessary for uh, for Aston Villa women to have, have made these changes. You know, there's a lot of ageing players that have, have left, um, a lot of players that are perhaps going to be underutilised in the, in the top tier. Um, you know, we'll go through the ins and outs player by player, so you'll have to bear with us, those of you listening, whilst we work through it. Um those leaving the club include club captain Kerry Welsh, often on the field captain at Jade Richards, last season's top scorer Melissa Johnson, and homegrown talents Alice Hassel and Phoebe Warner. Charlotte Greengrass, who had her season curtailed by injury, which was a huge shame, she scored an absolutely sublime goal uh, mid-season, will also be released. Um, as well as this, backup goalkeeper Daniela Kosinska, who who we spoke about on on numerous pods beforehand, who you know was an able deputy to Sean Rogers. Uh, she was signed on deadline day in January, and also Aust- Austrian international Sophie Meyerhofer, who appeared once before the season was paused, have also left the club. Yeah, and it it, it seems like it's a laundry list of players. Um, I think that you can look at almost every player on an individual level and understand why they're not released or why, why they've been released rather. Um, you know, as, as far as like the bigger losses from the group for me, I, the question I get from a lot of people who maybe won't follow or that don't follow Aston Villa women as much and are trying to gain that is that Melissa Johnson has been released with all the goals that she scored. What do you think about that Regan? Where do you stand on that? As far as like someone who was just banging in goals for fun, absolute crazy amount of form, um, in the women's championship, what, give a couple of reasons why that maybe she would have been released upon promotion to the women's super league. Well, f- first things first, um, you know, she had such an outstanding start to the start of the season and the vast majority of her goals came quite early on. Um, for me, you know, there was an interview with her that, uh, Kieran Tavam did when he, uh, formerly worked for the athletic that, uh, discussed her kind of, semi-pro attitude to women's football um I'm, I'm pretty sure she's a teaching assistant and i feel like that has a major role to play in in why she hasn't perhaps made the step up i don't think it was that that the club didn't rate her chances in in the super league i think it was rather that melissa johnson is probably happy to mull around the um the the championship as kind of a, a utility player in that league whilst she she has a separate career um you know we, we'll discuss that the club have signed their replacement for her um but you know the, the likes of uh Shania Hales more than adequately stepped up towards the the end of the season before it was paused and it was it was really the fact that you know the majority of her goals came so early and then she kind of tailed off that perhaps could have been a reason that she was released, but I do think it was probably more of a personal thing. Yeah, and that that's what I thought. I thought maybe she just 
you know, not, I don't want to say that she doesn't have skills as a footballer. That would that would be crazy. We've seen what Melissa Johnson can do, but I think maybe it's just the you know the struggle between two sides of your heart. To, hey, do I try to make this is it, out to be a professional footballer? Do I have the time to do that? Or you know, with a with a teaching assistant, do I want to get into teaching? So you know, no matter what happens with Melissa Johnson, I mean, I, I for for what it's worth, I you know just thank you so much for everything you've done for Aston Villa in, in the in the past year. You know, those early goals, that early form, I think to me was integral for you know pushing on the way that team did and you know I, I won't forget her anytime soon that much is for sure if you look at Johnson's career she signed I, I'm you have to forgive me if I'm incorrect here but I think she spent a season at Leicester City left joined us then left and now she's joined uh Sheffield United women who obviously were were quite closely contesting the the, the championship title last season It'll be interesting to follow her career and see that if Sheffield United women, you know, finish the job that they started and get promoted uh, in the upcoming season to the, to the Women's Super League, whether Melissa Johnson leaves Sheffield United, you know, she like I said, she might just be happy to kind of jump around clubs in the uh, in the Championship, and she may have feel like she's found her level. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. If, if that's where she feels her levels at as an athlete, that's that's how it, that's how it goes sometimes. And it's it's no knock on, on her. This is she make. I just I would have loved to see her stick around for one year in the Super League with Aston Villa, just to see how she got on. Even if it was a, a, as a squad player, more of a rotation option. I, I don't know, man. I, I some of the goals that I've seen her score, I'm like, man, that's that. That girl can play, and I think she knows it too. But like again, we don't know what's going on as far as like the personal decisions she makes or why that happened. Um, another player that I that I was a little upset to see was Daniela Kosinska go. But I mean, we have talked about in previous podcasts. I thought she was a wonderful deputy whenever Sean Rogers was out. Do, do you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, I think you know, perhaps she was only signed for for you know a short term kind of period um you know Sean Rogers has only missed a handful of games this season through injury I think she I think she hurt, uh, hurt a shoulder and was out for maybe like two or three games um but for me that the big losses from this group are Jade Richards and Kerry Welsh and granted they're two of the older players that have left um you know, Kerry Welsh, club captain, um, has been at the club for a number of years, but I am aware that she has a role within Birmingham's FA, so I think she's kind of resigned to the fact that she she may be a you know moving towards a, a career behind a desk now rather than as as a as a footballer. And Jade Richards as well, her her game time was incredibly limited last season. Um, especially with the likes of, you know, Natalie Haig and uh, Alicia and Dow um playing ahead of her so you know it, you do in my opinion risk or run the risk of of removing some of the leadership structure associated with the side you know you've got these leaders these older players these these veteran players if you will um that have you know helped the likes of Jody Hutton and Esmita Ale um come through the ranks and and you kind of risk the the chance of 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 ruining what you've built by by letting go of some of these um these veteran players but you know it's very much like the Aston Villa men's side getting rid of you know Hutton and Whelan and, and Yedinak and, and those kind of players yeah you took the thought right out of my head man that's exactly what I was thinking in, in terms of Carrie Welsh and Jade Richards I, I thought that she you know I I think that it's an understated and underrated thing when you talk about experienced heads in a sporting 
uh, you know, cohesive team. Um, and I, I like to see that there's older players there. I like to see that there's more experience there. And that's not to say that Aston Villa women didn't bring in players that are, that are really, really experienced, but just to have that kind of like at home cooking kind of feel like I, I like the fact that the Kerry Welsh was, you know, more experienced. I like the fact that Jade Richards was there, like you said, with his Ali and with Jody Hutton, you know, those, those are players that as long as Villa can keep the, those you know, especially those two younger players, you know, it, it helps out the squad, but they are going to have to, you know, learn their craft even more. You know, it's, it's the, it's the old adage that you try to get better every day and you try to get you know better and you work on things every day. What better, you know, people to have than, than the experienced heads that are, that are captain and club captain as well. So, I mean, it, it is a loss and it's, it's a little sad to see, you know, the more experienced heads go, but, you know, obviously there's something that the Villa sees behind the scenes as far as the women's super league to where they're bringing in more internationals and more players that have, you know, especially, you know, played for England and things like that on, on a very high level. So, I mean, it, it, it's sad to see them go, but at the same point in time, it's almost like with everything else that's going on right now, it's kind of a new era. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty hopeful in that aspect. Absolutely. And on the subject of new eras, let's get into some of the new faces that will be around the club for the upcoming season. So the first signing that uh, Aston Villa women completed was in the form of Scotland international Chloe Arthur from Women's Super League and local rivals Birmingham City. Now Arthur becomes the fourth signing to come from the other side of the city in two seasons, joining Emma Follis, Maurice Ewers, Shania Hales in making the jump across the second city. Yeah, and... and you know, it, it says it, it says so much about Aston Villa's recruiting style. Um, a lot of people might think that it might be a case of lazy scouting or, or perhaps looking for underutilized gems from, you know, the neighboring clubs. But I, I think you have to keep your, your friends close and your enemies closer when you're talking about this sort of thing, especially when you're just getting promoted. Um, I, I think that it, it says a lot that we have scouts to not only maybe looking at crazy kind of players that are in international squads and, and big time teams across the world, but also the one just on the street, you know, and, you know, Birmingham city fans might not, not want to hear that. And they might get a little upset that Villa seems to poach some of their, some of their better players in, in the women's side. But I mean, that's kind of just business. That's kind of just how it rolls. But I mean, for me, I like the fact, like, I like that we have a scouting department that does that. What do you think about, it? do you think it is lazy scouting or do you think that this is maybe something that Villa might be onto as far as uh, Midland women's football? Well, I think, I think, you know, despite her relatively young age for a coach, Gemma Davies has, is vastly experienced in, in Midlands football. So she's going to know a lot of these players quite well uh, as players and people as well. So for one, it's very easy for, for Gemma Davies to kind of know who the talents are um, around, you know, the, the local area. Um, but, you know, at, at the same time, it's it's a signing that is an international footballer, you know. Arthur's appeared over 50 times for Scotland at various levels, including the senior side, and she made a debut five years ago in a 4-0 win against Northern Ireland. You know, she's she's kind of um, one of those players that is, is incredibly versatile. She's mainly a midfielder, but has appeared at fullback for... Um, for Scotland as well, and it offers an ever rotating and ever changing dynamic to the squad. You know, along the side likes of uh, Marissa Ewers, who's appeared in midfield and centre back, and Jodie Hutton, who is mainly a winger but stepped in as a right back after the injury to uh, Asmita Rale last season. No, I don't think it's a case of, of of laziness. I think it's a case of perhaps looking for unutilized, underutilized gems from our, our rivals who. You know, perhaps might not be be using the likes of you know Marissa Ewers or 
Emma Follis to to the best of their ability. And and if Gemma thinks she, she can do something with them, then you know so be it. And full support to Gemma for for kind of finding these players. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's not like, you know, Aston Villa women or Gemma Davies is trying to reinvent the wheel in, in any sort. And in that way, I mean, it's good to have utility players. It's good to have players that can be utilized in different parts of the pitch, whether you get an injury or you have a suspension or you want to try a different formation or you think someone who might have played as a winger might be better off in the fullback position. We saw that with Jody Hutton this past year. Um, and it, for all intents and purposes, that did work. Jody Hutton didn't look out of place there. Maybe a little bit of rust, maybe a little bit of shakiness, not knowing when to move forward, not knowing when to cut inside the field. But she did a really good job. And I think that's important for Aston Villa women going into this next season to have players that maybe aren't just that they're good in multiple positions they have one position they're very good at and that's their natural position but then there's other positions on the pitch that they can also perform when called upon I don't think that's a bad thing I like to see that in football teams and I definitely think that that's a positive for the Aston Villa women absolutely uh, the second signing of the summer uh, ahead of the new women's super league season came in the form of 35-year-old defender Anita Asante from Chelsea. Now, the centre-back has enjoyed an illustrious career playing for the likes of Chelsea, FC Rosengard, and a number of clubs in America, including Chicago Red Stars and Washington Freedom. She joined after her contract expired just a couple of months back. You know, we, we talked about losing the experienced heads of, of Jade Richards and uh, Kerry Welsh, but you know, this is bringing in an experienced head. Asante has played 70 times for the England women's team. She made her debut over 15 years ago. Uh, she's represented Great Britain during the 2012 London Olympics. Uh, she appeared in all four games at the Olympics before Team GB was knocked out by Canada. You know, she's she's the oldest and perhaps most experienced player to join this summer. Yeah, and again, we like you said, we were, we were just talking about losing the experience and gaining the experience. And this, this is the the situation that the Aston Villa women find themselves on where you don't only want experience head just because they've been around the block. You also want them to be familiar. And we know that the sporting director, Annie Aluko knows of this player played with this player. So she, she knows, she knows what she's about. She had, she has a really good idea what Asante is about. Not only that positionally um, getting, you know, gelled in with the teammates personality, all that comes into play. I think Asante is going to be a, a really, really big addition for this team. Um, just offensively, just, she obviously knows what the women's super league's about. She knows that it, it's a, it's a high tempo league. Um, you know, the competition's fierce. It's, it's not a walk in the park. This is a big jump from the women's championship to the super league. So bringing in an experienced head of Asante, who also knows, again, also knows any Aluko and both of those, um, both those players together. Now that one's in a different role, obviously any Aluko is not playing, but to, to know that Asante is going to be there and how she likes to play the game. You mix that in with the experience of Gemma Davies, what she showed in the past year can only be a good thing. I'm really excited to see this one, Regan. I think this one might want to be, might be one of the most important signings they've made so far. And even if she's not playing, you know, she offers a lot to the dressing room. She's, you know, we, we've spoken about uh, the men's side almost having mascots in the dressing room. You know, it was Mika Richards who, who, um, I don't know who coined him as the mascot. I think it might have been Steve Bruce. But, you know, Mika Richards was, wasn't playing, but he kept the dressing room buoyant and happy. Um, the same could be said for Henry Lansbury, perhaps, in recent years. You know, they're well-liked, but they're not perhaps getting game time. And at 35, you don't know. Asante may not play as much as some may expect. But to have that level of leadership 
um, within the dressing room can only be a positive thing. Yeah, and not only that, but I'm sure Asante will she'll, she'll lead by example. And even if that's training, or even if that's how you carry yourself as a professional, or hey, you're trying to break into your national team, let me give you some pointers on how you might be able to do that. Or even just talk like people, you know, talk talk with footballers about what's going on, you know, in their personal life for the good and the bad. That's something that this player has seen over the course of their their career. They've been they've been pretty much everywhere you can be in the in the women's football game. So I, it, again, she might not play every game, and it might not be a nailed on starter but i do think asante just for all the intangibles you can't put a price tag on what that means inside of a dressing room absolutely you know th- this signing could very well be a case of uh, aluko kind of pulling the strings behind behind the curtain as it were um but i don't think it's a signing that would have been signed off without you know Gemma's approval um you know, Aluko knows the player. She would have probably been in contact with the player, you know, text, phone call, and just said, listen, this is what we're building. We want you to be a part of it. Um, as I said, though, you know, regardless of Aluko's role in Asante coming to the club, you know, it, it wouldn't have been signed off without, without Davies' approval. Yeah, I completely agree. So obviously, Gemma Davies either, I mean, I'm sure she's well aware of Asante, but not not only that, but I'm sure she's aware of, like, again, the atmosphere within the room. You know, you're losing experienced heads for one reason or another. You need you need to bring, you know, more in for an experience. There has to be a good balance. You know, it's it's tough. It's a really tough thing in football to balance those out. But again, I think Asante is going to be one of those signings where, again, we might not see her a, a whole lot. Um, you know, Gemma Davies might be giving chances to other other defenders in the team. But at the same point in time, it's good to have someone there to keep them on their toes in training, give them pointers here and there, and even talk like on a tactical standpoint. I, I, I can't see a negative coming out of signing a player. And I know she's 35, and I know it seems like she's been around the block maybe, you know, more more than the average footballer. But you know, you can't you can't speak enough to have you know a mentor of sorts standing right next to you whenever you're going through some things. Um, following uh, Asanta, there was there was Lisa Voice. Who uh, who was next through the door, and she was probably the most second, the second most experienced player to have joined uh, Jimmy Davies Aston Villa Revolution this summer. Vice joined from uh, the European Champions Olympic Lyonnais Feminine, and she comes to Aston Villa Women as a bit of a coup, despite her, her lack of playing time uh, at a former club. At 32, she's experienced playing at the top level in both Germany and France, and will now be able to test herself in the highest league in England if she can take the number one shirt from Sean Rogers. Yeah, and that's going to be really what it's about. I mean, it's take, taking that shirt from Sean Rogers, and I think that Rogers is going to be. I think she's going to be thrilled with the competition. Um, you know, with with Weiss, I'll be honest with you, Regan. I don't know much about Lisa Weiss, man. I mean, I, I've talked to you about it. We've talked about it off the podcast. Uh, you know, about the player and everything like that. But what are you looking forward here? Do you do you think that Lisa Weiss has a legitimate shot at taking the shirt, or do you think it's going to be more of like a rotation, or maybe in the cup competitions? How, how do you see this whole thing going? See, I'm so unsure because. Leon evidently saw something in Vice to to sign her in the first place, but she's played second fiddle uh, in her time at the club. She's obviously come to England to test herself, and I don't think she would have signed um, for Aston Villa women to just sit on the bench. But at the same time, you know, Sean Rogers has been a more than able number one over the past few seasons, and you know, you've had women's football fans saying that that Rogers could very easily be a future England number one. You know, she came through Arsenal Women's Academy and signed for us. Um, Arsenal women obviously have an exceptional footballing side. And, you know, I think 
it would be remiss of 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 Gemma Davies to to not give Sean Rogers the, the chance to prove herself in the top tier. That's kind of where my heart lies. I, you know, I I think that you have to give Sean Rogers her. I don't I don't want to say it's like she above and beyond took the number one shirt no matter who they bring in she's going to be the starter but you have to give her her chance at the very least to prove that not only can she play at this level she's not going to get rattled by the pressure and to be honest with you I think Sean Rogers has that in buckets I think that she's absolutely can be Villa's number one keeper but again when you bring in someone from su- such a club like um like Olympic Lyonnais it's it's gonna it's gonna be something to where the the competition's going to be vital. It's almost like, you know, you're looking in the rear view mirror a little bit and you're like, okay, th- this person's on my tail. I got to you know, move a little bit faster. I think that's going to be the case of the goalkeeping position. Again, I haven't looked into many, many stats about Lisa Weiss, but I, I do think that it, it's going to be really good backup. If something happens with Rodgers, you know, to where she has an injury, I think that Villa are still stable enough to have a keeper get into that position that knows what they're doing and is serviceable, kind of like we've seen with last year. Absolutely. Um, we spoke earlier about the the departure of Melissa Johnson, um, and Aston Villa women have looked to replace the goals scored by Johnson uh, in their upcoming Super League season by signing Portugal international Diana Silva. She beca- she became uh, the first non-domestic signing of the season. She actually signed before Lisa Vice, um, moving from Sporting Club Portugal. Um, and they're a side who've hit the headlines in recent years for their high-scoring games. You know, they're, they're, they've had games with results ranging from 5-0, 8-0, and even 17-0 in recent seasons. Um, the 25-year-old Ford has been playing women's football for 11 years, um, and she used to play for a boys' side before being promoted straight into the first team of Sporting Club Portugal. Um she scored 89 goals in 124 appearances for her first club, Atletico Oriense. Uh, from there, she's also spent time at Club de Albagaria, where she scored 19 goals in 24 appearances. And in her four years at Sporting Club Portugal, she scored 19 times in 38 appearances. Uh, she also won the the title in her first year with the club. You know, it's an absolutely outstanding signing for for Aston Villa women by the looks of it. Her goal scoring record speaks for itself. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't say enough about score scoring goals in the women's Super League isn't exactly an easy thing when you go up some against some of the top tier top top tier teams that have a amazing bankroll and they're, they're able to bring in all kind of players from all kind of different places so i think scoring goals is going to be at a premium i mean do you, do you think this is maybe one of the signings that can actually not only replace melissa johnson's uh contributions from last year but even maybe go above and beyond it i feel i feel like that's going to be the case you know she's still yet to reach her peak as a footballer, um, you know, if she can remain fit, if she can, if she can kind of feed off the energy that, that some of the other players provide on the pitch, you know, um, when I've seen Emma Emma Follis play a couple of times that I've I've been to, uh, you know, Boldmere or seen them play at Villa Park, you know, Emma Follis is one of those players that lifts the players around her, and if she can kind of feed off that energy, that there's absolutely every chance that Diana Silva could be an absolutely phenomenal signing for the upcoming season. Yeah, and 
listen to me that that's that's what it's going to have to be about is like you're going to have to find a way to score goals and yeah maybe some of the time it's not going to be pretty and maybe some of the times you're working really hard to you know just get one back um like i said before it's not an easy league to play in especially when you make the step up but having players that can score goals is going to be massive and it, it again i don't think you're going to see how melissa johnson was last year where it kind of seemed like she was doing it all on her own i think it's going to have to be from committee i think that you're going to have to have multiple players scoring a decent amount of goals to stay up in this league um i'm a little bit more optimistic about it i, I think that you know, Villa will stay in the league. I don't think they'll get relegated. I know that's a big shout in some circles, but I do think they brought in the right players in the right places. But yet again, they're going to have to find ways to score goals. It's not going to be an easy thing, but bringing in players with that kind of record, that's that's definitely a positive. Completely agree. In fact, you know, if I was to make an early prediction for a relegated side this season, I think it might be our rivals, Birmingham City women. I mean, I, I don't think you're going to upset anybody by saying that, Regan. <laughs> Um, you know, next next up, following suit with the signings, we had Caro Seams or Siems, or I don't know how to pronounce her name. It's a German surname. Uh, she was the next signing that was unveiled. I'm going to go with Seams, I think. Or no, I'm going to go with Siems. I'm going to go with Siems. I'm sticking with it. I think it's Siems. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. I think yeah. it's Siems. So the 21-year-old joined after aiding uh, one FFC Turbine Potsdam to a fourth-place finish in the Women's Bundesliga. She's able to play on either side of the defence and the fullback will be able to provide ample cover for the likes of Arley and Ella Franklin Freitcher, who both had to recover from injuries over the past season. In fact, three of the four left signings were German as well, I think, with uh, Ramona Petzelberger following through the door. Yeah, I, again, you know, you, you talk about... Uh, not, now I can't say it. Seems? Symes? Symes. Symes. I thought so. See, you're the one who threw me off. I, I knew how to pronounce it. <laughs> so with Symes, I like the fact that she can play fullbacks in either position. Um, again, that, that's another thing. And we've seen this derail multiple teams over the season, um, you know, or over the years, rather, to where you get a, a injury in one uh, part of the pitch and then you got someone playing out of position. Now, again, it's important to have players that can play in multiple positions. But as fullbacks alone, we've seen that Gemma Davies really relies on those players to get the ball up and down the pitch in wide areas. So for me, I think that, it's going to be vital again to have the players that are actually able to do that. And again, you know, she's young, she's 20, 21 years old. There's going to be a little bit of, you know, a process with that, but I think it's a really good thing. And the same thing goes for Petzelberger. I know she's 20, 26, 27, 27. I think um, it's going to be an, a, another one with that where it's just, you're going to have to, Get into the, you know, figure out the formation, figure out the tactics, and not be afraid to really go at it. Um, again, though, with with Caro, I think that she's definitely got a bright future at Aston Villa Women as long as she can stay healthy, apply herself. I think it should be a good time. I, I've just realised we're going to have to agree to call her Siems, I think, because if we call her Symes, we've already got Emily Symes at the club, and it's just going to get really confusing if we're referring to two different Symes. Oh, uh, it's going to turn into like tongue laffy taffy before we know it. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to do that, I think. Yeah, so Caro Siems we're sticking with after after that lengthy debate on how to pronounce her name. Um, on the subject of Ramona Petzelberger. She followed through the door on the same day as uh, CMs, and she's close friends with Marissa Ewers from their time at uh, Bayer Leverkusen. You know, she, at 27, she's another experienced head, but she spent her entire career in Germany. I think now she's kind of looking for a new step in her career, and she'll obviously be looking to prove herself in the Women's Super League with Aston Villa. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was getting at when I just said about Petzelberger. It, 
when you go from one league to another, when you're there for that long with her being at uh, Leverkusen and now coming to the English game, it's, it's just like the men's game for, for those that may not watch a lot of women's football leagues, definitely have different identities, different ways they play, uh, different ways to, you know, set up defensively, all that comes into play. So with Petzelberger, you know, what I was saying was, um, just tactically and the tempo of the game and how things go. I think this is going to be a really, really good player for the Aston Villa women. But again, it might take a little bit of a, of a, not a growing pain process, just a more of a getting used to process absolutely and there's now a strong kind of german core to the squad you know we've got mercy Ewers who signed last season who is now the the new club captain and she's joined by vice petzelberger and cms do you kind of run the risk of creating clicks by by doing this you know we've had experience or or heard things about this happening with the men's side, especially during uh, the, the season that saw us relegated. We signed an awful lot of French players, and th- there were kind of clicks created within the squad as the English players or British players kind of moved into their own kind of friendship groups. Or d- do you think uh, Marissa Ewers is a player that will bridge the gap between, between you know, the German group and, and the rest of the players? Uh, do you think Ewers even had a role to play in these signings, perhaps? I, she might have. I mean, the, the whole thing about clicks uh, within um, any kind of sport and any kind of team, you're going to have some players that they get on better than other players. That's that's just the way we, we are as human beings, you know. But uh, the thing that I noticed last year with with Gemma Davies was it seemed like she always tried to get everybody involved to like together, like as one to either do things or, you know, speaking to them, uh, you know, just from the clips that we saw in the interviews with Gemma Davies, it seems like that's something she's really big on the, the real like teamwork atmosphere. And, you know, we're all together as one, we all need to be together as one to do certain things. So I don't know if there will be clicks. I mean, you do run that risk when you have so many people from different nationalities, but I mean, for me, I, I think you kind of, you didn't have to have, a, you know, a decent amount of players from one nation or, you know, that used to play in one league or anything like that. But I think it does help as far as familiarity. Um, I don't know if it'll get clicky like you talked about previously with the Aston Villa men's side, but I, I do think that it, it's, it, it can be seen as a positive or negative for me. I think Gemma Davies is so down to earth that she'll be able to, you know, travel that road smartly and she'll know, you know, when to, you know, get players involved and togetherness and maybe, you know, it's okay sometimes to go off with your mates and, you know, have a meal. It's okay to do that sometimes. Sometimes as a coach, you want to see your players go above and beyond and and do things like that, you know, away from the actual group. Yeah. And you, you you mentioned uh, Davies liking to have everyone involved. And I can kind of attest to that from, from what I've seen from going to the games. Um, I remember it was it was the first game of the season against Sheffield United Women, um, and it was a narrow three-two victory. From what I recall, it, it seems it's a year ago now. It seems so long ago, um, but I remember after the game, um, Gemma called everyone onto the pitch. You know, there were players sitting down, the players standing, but whether they, they they'd played in the game or whether they were sitting on the bench or or anything like that, they were all around her. And she she gave the squad like a dressing day, and she was talking to every single player. And after that, the players that hadn't played, you know, did did a warm down to you know avoid avoid injury. Um, so yeah, I think I think you know having Gemma Davis at the helm would will be key to kind of avoiding these kind of clicks or, or situations like we've previously mentioned. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of psychology that goes behind why a coach would do something like that. You just want everybody to buy into the idea of teamwork. And that, listen, you're you're a very 
you're very important. Now, this is this is if you're playing or you're not playing. You're a very important cog in this machine. And when I call upon you, I'm going to need you. I might not need you right now, but at some point in time down the line, I'm going to rely on you and I'm going to depend on you to do things. When you start drilling that in the players' heads just on a psychological level, that's very important. It gives them a, a, a found belief that I am important and that I am, you know, a part of, of this group. Um, you know, not to get too far on the psych- psychology stuff of the game, but I, I see... Gemma Davies being one of those coaches that knows that she might not come out and say that, but for me, just how I've, how I've seen her club and how she works her team and how she speaks with her players, it seems that that is very important to her to have the whole, like, you know, that this is us. This is what we're going to do. This is when I need you. This is how I'm going to need you to play all those kind of things. I, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's very powerful, especially when your team getting promoted in, into a league that, that can they can prove and has proved in the past to be very difficult. Absolutely. Um, and to round off the signings, the final name through the door was Steen Larsson, the Danish international who offers more versatility for Davies' side as she can perform at both striker and centre-back. She was named player of the season in the elite division in 2018 and picked up a number of other accolades along the way. She's a very decorated player despite her young age at 24. That's seven names through the door of varying levels of experience, age and international acclaim to complement the 13 senior players who were, who were left following the almost summer call. You know, the side looks ready for a battle ahead and a battle it'll be as they fight to retain their place in the FA Women's Super League at the first time of asking. Yeah, and it's, it's going to be very interesting because now, especially for, you know, People like me and you, we watched the team last year a lot. We, we spent a lot of time dedicated to that team. Well, now it's almost like not, – it's not completely different. We still know, obviously, who's been released and the players that have stuck around. But now it's almost like how is how is Gemma Davies going to perform with these new players that she might not be as familiar with, um, different roles? How do you line up against some of the, the bigger top-tier teams in the league? It's really, really exciting, man. Like with, with all the on- and off-the-field investment that Aston Villa have done over the past year – uh, it's just I, I I can't say enough about it. I'm so excited for this season to see how how these girls get on on the pitch. I completely agree. And you know, there's a theme in a lot of these new signings: versatility. You know, many of the players can be deployed in a number of positions. As we just mentioned, Steen can play centre back or centre forward. Uh, CMs can play either side of the defence. Arthur can play as a box to box midfielder or a fullback. Ewers can play as a midfielder or a centre back. Do you think this is exactly? what Aston Villa women were looking for and needed or do you think it's perhaps you know too much of a mixing pot I don't think it's too much of a mixing pot I I think it's you need this um I guess you you would need it not only in terms of okay I can if this player's got a bad run of form or they have a knock I know I can rely on this player even though they might have played in a different position in previous games again like you're, you're trying to fit the pieces of the puzzle together to make sure you're a successful side in a new league I like the fact that there's different options it's almost like if you look at it in, in terms of a depth chart that it, it's going to be something where you might not think that this player can play there but Gemma Davies might have the um, might have the idea that a certain player can slot in there um, so I, I think it's a really exciting thing and not not to say it's you know the eleven's going to twist and turn multiple multiple times over the season. It may very well, but I, I do think that it gives you just that little bit of more versatility and a little bit more of an edge to come up against teams that they may not even have the Aston Villa women team scouted very well because of the amount of additions that we've made. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's always the opportunity to kind of you know play Steen Larson as a centre back in one game, and then you you know 
it, just just imagine it now, you know, Diana Silva scored scored in the last game and everyone thinks, oh yeah, she's going to start the next game. And then, you know, Larson had played centre-back, but wham, Larson's up front the next game. And you're like, how do we deal with this? We've been preparing for Diana Silva. Right, and that, that's that's a very important point, you know, because then you talk about situational things and you talk about, okay, does one have a height advantage over the, uh, the opposing team's centre-backs? Should we pump the ball into the box a little bit more? Or if you have another player that's playing striker, oh, are they, you know, better, you know, they'll be scouted, they'll scout against the Aston Villa women. They like to take shots from, you know, from range, from a distance. And then all of a sudden you put Sten Larson up there who's able to actually, you know, play and maybe push forward as more of a, an advanced forward kind of role. All that comes into play, man. Like I said, we're, we're the new kids on the block. Aston Villa women's are the new kids on the block that just got promoted. And then you have, you know, these newer players. Some of them have never, most of them have never played in the English game before. That's, that's a, just another thing to where you're going to have the opposition scratching their head and not knowing how to game plan for that. Like I said, I think this season is going to be incredibly, incredibly exciting for the Aston Villa women. I, I definitely, um, I definitely think it's one to watch out for this season. I'm I'm incredibly excited for it, and I'm, I'm sure you are as well. But besides the on and off the field investment, the club have been moving towards a more united approach in terms of their marketing and social media, as they kind of imp- aim to improve the support of the Aston Villa women and increase their already growing fan base. Now, this started at the, la- the start of last season when the team photo was taken involving both of the squads. A small but albeit strong statement that put Aston Villa at the forefront in regards to equality between the sides and it was something that not many other clubs do. Since then the club have placed a highly visible banner within Villa Park congratulating the uh, the women's championship trophy win during the fanless resumption of the Premier League whilst also starting to make a stronger effort to share the Aston Villa women news on the main club account. I tell you what man, I absolutely loved seeing that banner at Villa Park. I, 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 I just... It- gave me like a, a certain feeling of like just pride about what these women did last you know this past season you know with getting promoted um and it was good to see you know not not only just the recognition that that, that they did a did a really good job and had a really great season but it was just it was massive like you couldn't miss it like no matter where the camera was you know, even though it's stationary, but like you saw it, it was noticeable, it was there, it was, con- you know, a congratulation of sort of like, hey, you know, we're really proud of what our women's team did. And I, I think that, again, it's so important. We talked about it at the top of the podcast uh, of just having the pride for the for the men's side and the women's side, just how, you know, it's it's one Aston Villa. And I think that's, it's an amazing thing. Whoever had that idea to, to put that up there, and I'm, I'm hoping it was multiple people. Um, I, I think it's just a wonderful thing. Did, did you enjoy seeing that? Were you expecting to see that? Um, I wasn't necessarily expecting to see it, but I thought you know it was it was a great move by the club to kind of you know showcase their women's size achievements during the men's games, and you know th- th- they've made moves to kind of go further than that as well. You know, exceptionally and noticeably, the Aston Villa women were at the forefront of the new home kits promotional material. You know, Amy West, Alicia Rindale, and new Clo- new signing Chloe Arthur were all donning the new kazoo sponsored Kappa kit as the kit was revealed. You know, there was no sign of Jack, John McGinn, Douglas Louise in the in the new kit initially. Um, and you know, there were banners across social media, fan websites like our own, and and billboards across Birmingham, all showcasing the Aston Villa women. Yeah, and again, it's it's the it's the inclusionary thing, right? It's it's trying to change the narrative that you know maybe women's football is not as entertaining as the men. And I mean, I, this might be a little bit of American bias, but. I don't like that and I don't agree with it. I, I think that the women's game is as exciting as the men's game. And, you know, there's that, that narrative that's always being pushed that, you know, that, you know, women can't play this game as well as men. And I, I just, I 
have never understood that. And I, I, again, it's probably just me watching more women's football than men when I was growing up, you know, whether it's, you know, being at a, a college game or whether, you know, even, even in my small community that I live out over here, like you, you have, you know, girls playing with boys. It's not, there's no, you know, when you're at a young enough age, you, you can play together and it's fine. Now, eventually as you get older, that branches off a little bit when you start getting into, you know, we refer to as middle and high school. But again, like I've, I've watched that. Like I know that there are girls out there that are much better than a lot of the boys that I played with when I was growing up or that I saw when I was going to college. So I, I don't know. I, I love the fact that that the main account, the main Twitter account for Aston Villa is getting more involved. I love the fact that the, the kits are all the same through the men and women's side. Um, you know, again, like with us, like we try our hardest to cover this as much as we can uh, on the website and of, of course doing this podcast. And now again, you're talking about, you know, billboards across the city. That's such a cool thing. Like, I, I don't know. That's just something to be immensely be proud about. If you ask me, if you're an Aston Villa supporter. Absolutely. And it's key that as Gemma Davies side go from strength to strength, so does the coverage of support of the club internally and externally. You know, there are always going to be issues in regards to the likes of wages and things of that ilk, something that really can't be fixed anytime soon due to the disparity between the, the incomes of the Aston Villa women and Aston Villa. But there's obvious investment that's been ploughed into the women's side of the game at Aston Villa, both both in terms of on the pitch, off the pitch, and in terms of how they're represented. And it makes me incredibly proud as an Aston Villa fan and an Aston Villa women fan. You know, as we've already said, it is one club. Yeah, it is one club. And you were talking about the disparity between incomes between the two sides. Um, I I can see... It's almost like we were just talking about this with the men's side this past season of just like stay in the league. And I think that that's like pretty – that has to be, at least to me, from where I'm sitting, that has to be the, the aim for the Aston Villa women's side is to stay in the league. Um, you know, again, you're going to get proper investment. We have to t- we have to, you know, take our hats off for Christian Perslow in this instance. Um, he stuck to what he said. And the investment of the women's side cannot be ignored, um, and I don't think it will be. And again, I don't, I don't think this team's rooted to the bottom this season. I don't think that they're, you know, they might flirt a little bit with relegation, but I don't, I, I think they stay in the league, and that's going to be important moving forward with being more of a draw for more international players, more experienced players. And not only that, but then you're going to be able to give wage increases, you know, when, when they're earned and when they're deserved and whatnot. Do you see something like that happening with Aston Villa women? Do you think that we're going to get to a point where? You know the the investment made is is going to kind of pay back two or threefold. Yeah, I do think so. You know, I think that the the way that um, the owners and and Perslow want Aston Villa women to be into in you know let's say let's say the next five years is certainly going to kind of showcase in, in the newer signings and signings moving forward that it's gonna it's gonna repay the club. You know, they want them to be a major force in women's football, and as you said, you know it's fine for them to flirt with relegation this season, just as long as they don't get into bed with, with relegation. You know what I mean? It, it's it, it's fine to be around there, but it, it's very much like the, the, the Aston Villa men's side. You you don't want to undo all the good work you've already done by by not kind of jumping over the, the second hurdle. You know, you've jumped over the first, but you don't want to fall flat on your face at the next one. 
Yeah, and that, that's all I'm really looking for here in the next two to three seasons, just stay a, a women's Super League mainstay. And I think they have some fabulous players that they brought in this transfer window to start you know, start working towards that. Again, it's it's not going to be a sprint. We're talking more of a marathon here to get this club on a better financial backing. And, and not only that, but just to, to garner a little bit more attention and show that they can be an entertaining side. And again, they, they have all the all the right things in place. There was a lot of work that was done last year, but you know it's only going to get better going forward as long as you know everybody works hard and stays the same path absolutely and i think that's probably the perfect time to end this podcast it's been a bumper episode the longest aston villa women podcast that we've ever done coming in at nearly 55 minutes it might go over that once i finish my outro if you have enjoyed it and you would like to learn more about the aston villa women or read our aston villa women podcast please do visit our website at underagastatlamp.com we have our own section dedicated to under uh, obviously not to ourselves to the aston villa women uh, we cover opinion news uh, and when the games come out we'll we'll be analyzing the games as well um as always if you've enjoyed it, please do give us a a rating or a, a comment on whatever platform you're listening on. And you can follow us on social media, on Twitter, at Villa Lamp, on Instagram, at Under Lamp, and on Facebook, forward slash Under Lamp. Thanks for listening, and up the Villa women. <laughs>